When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. LFC Day Trippers. Brought to you by bookmakers.com. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Premier League Forecast, sponsored by bookmakers.com. It's me, Chris Bratt. It's him, Kev O'Sullivan. We've already fell out, so it's all going well. <laughs> and we've got Luke, who we always fall out with. So, all in all, it's going really well this so far. How are we doing, everyone? Not too bad. Looks like everyone in the chat's having a good time anyway. Storm is uh, telling everyone where he's uh, working at the minute, so that's kind of uh, interesting, to say the least. You can throw oh, okay. the name of the country where, he's, where you are, Storm, uh, in there again, if you could. But it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're going to get too many people on YouTube comment section saying that you're where you are. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's way. pretty unique, to say the least. Hey, Kev, there's some breaking Liverpool news. Do you want to hear it? Not really. Shall I tell you anyway? Because I want to tell you. Go on, then. Everyone's favourite, David Ornstein, apparently. Brighton are preparing a move to sign James Milner on a free transfer. Deserve you want to... Deserve you... It's determined to get the former England midfielder. Burnley are also looking to try and sign him for the new season. So that's an interesting one. And it's legitimate, David Olsen. He's not like David Olsen, you're like a weird asterisk ex where you think of these ones, you wind up once. <laughs> so that's an interesting one. Because you've said leads all over, but maybe where they go with maybe that's not going to happen. So you can, you can tell Kevin doesn't believe in now, Luke. He's already checking his phone. No, yeah, I don't believe you once. I, I thought he'd fallen asleep, to be honest. <laughs> No, well, usually also, when I'm like this, I've usually frozen. Yeah, but, yeah. To us, that's a bit of one likes, to be honest. You're not no, lying. See? You're not lying. I do occasionally tell the truth. Not always. But this is one of those occasions. How are you doing, okay, Luke? Are that's, you that's interesting. Yeah, we'll yeah no, Kev, I'm good. We'll let Kev digest that news, because that's that's going to kettle his head for a minute, that. so. I'm good, yeah. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Happy after the United results? As happy as you can be, yeah, yeah. You know, that's like a- happier... Second half, you know, um, you know, watching how they kind of fought back in the second half, not so happy, you know, seeing how our season's going in general, but you know, yeah, I know I'm quite impressed though, you know, sacking, sacking a uh, 
you know, stepping coach is quite impressive. I mean, Frank Lampard's shitting himself now because he's probably thinking, I'm okay. When you're an interim manager, you don't get sacked. Then he just looks at someone, oh, fucking hell. I said, and he was doing better than me. You know, <laughs> Frank was, he hasn't, he hasn't won a, he hasn't got a point yet, has he, Kev? I, I, I don't, I don't he know has. if he's got a draw. He might, he might have a draw thrown in somewhere. I don't so, know, but somebody in the chat will tell us. But I'm pretty certain he's not, he's not got a single point since he's come to Chelsea, which is no. officially the worst management appointment in Chelsea's history. Which is a uh, quite some achievement. That is some achievement, to be fair, because pre pre Abramovich, Chelsea were pants. I mean, they were mm-hmm. like bottom to mid table, struggling kind of non non club really. And um, when you think about the, the amount of crap they've had over the decades, to think that Lampard is the worst, the single worst manager that they've ever appointed, and they went and appointed him twice. Yeah, he it's was bad, big. and then now he's really bad. Yeah, and then he was. It wasn't as if he improved with age when he went to Everton either, because he nearly no. took them down. I think he. Um, I think if he includes Everton record, I think he's got one win in his last twenty odd games, which is shocking. And listen, we always rag on Everton, especially me. But it, that squad's not even that bad. It's not. It's nowhere near as bad as some of the squads in this in league. And you're going, you probably should have got more of them than what he did. Chelsea had more points before Frank took over. Said <laughs> Steve, Jesus Webs. <laughs> oh, so we'll do a bit of the next bag today. So we are sponsored by bookmakers.com. Details in the description below. Uh, they are our bookmakers. Help you find the best odds. Uh, if you do gamble, gamble responsibly. If you're not into gambling, that's fine. It's not your thing. But check out the website because it's really good for stats and all sorts of sports. Me and Kev use that. And they also have a YouTube channel which uh, Gav appears on once a week just to talk about general fussy stuff. Kev's been on it. I think they've even allowed me on it once, Kev. Don't think we allowed back, but you know. So it's all, it's all good. But let's start with the Premier League then. So let's start a, pro- a big game that's probably going to organise the bottom of the table. Bournemouth are at home to Leeds. Bournemouth are actually fourth in the form guide for the last six games. Four wins and two losses. Which, for a side that's been whacked 9-0 and had some big beatings on them, is quite it's quite impressive. Leeds, on the other hand, are 17th of the form guide. One win, one draw, four losses. And Kev, that Leicester game, they went from looking like seeing out a 1-0 one, um, win to nearly throwing it away to then... The miss of the season for, by Bamford. It was the, they're just um, all over the shop, and they've just been dealt with news that the goal scorer from the last game, uh, Sinistera, is out for the season. Yeah, it's um, it's going from bad to worse for Leeds. Um, they don't look like they can buy a win, and it's not a case of uh, when they concede; it's how they react to conceding is horrendous. They mm. they don't just go one down. When they go one down, they look like they could go two or three down. And they're I don't know how they're gonna get a point on the board, let alone three. But the way this is going, this they should have, they should have played Frank Lampard because apparently he's got five points in his last nineteen games. So, you know. Ooh. Well, you gotta you gotta look at it. It's like he the Javi Gracia came in and he had a really good bounce. I think they had uh, four wins out of seven from from when he was appointed. And they just haven't been able to pick anything up since. And you watch them, and I've, I've watched them a bit, and they don't know how to construct an attack. And they don't have any confidence in each other when they're defending. It's pure panic stations in a lot of ways. 
where you look at Bournemouth and it's the complete opposite. Bournemouth are awkward, they're organised, and they have a plan on how they want to create an attack and how they want to score goals. It's basically mm-hmm. a counter-attacking football, but with players that can, like in Dom Solanke, who can hold the ball up and bring others into play, in Billings that can get up and support, and Tavernier is, is good, quick, and another one who's got a trick in him. So The shame for them is apparently he's out. Apparently picked up a neck, yeah. picked up a knock, which is a shame because actually he's he's actually done quite well for them. This is it. But when you look at the table, the way the table is set out at the minute, I wouldn't trust any side at the bottom in now. You've got to look at it. They've all played the same amount of games. They've all played 33 games up to West Ham. Um, West Ham are stuck in 15th on 34 points. From then, you've got Leeds on, played uh, in 16th. Forest, Leicester, Everton, Southampton, all played 33 on 30, 30, 29, 28, 24, respectively. I'm thinking Southampton are gone. Then it's any two from four between Leeds, Forest, Leicester, Everton. This, you feel Leeds have to get a win. A draw won't be enough. It's uh, a draw can be overhauled. They need to get three points on the board and try to create some kind of distance. I just don't think they have it in them. And Bournemouth have found a run at a vein of form. They beat us. And I remember I was talking to Luke on his channel, on his uh, spaces on Twitter. And it was the, before the Spurs game. And I said, they're going to be awkward. They're going to be tricky. And they can cause you problems. And they're a side you don't want to go behind to. And they can be a right handful. I just don't see how Leeds are going to get anything out of this one. It's going to be a real tough away day for them. And Luke, I mean, if you look at the lead squad, on paper, there's a lot of talent in that squad. But I feel like they're full of too many players who are either historically inconsistent or historically injury-prone. And they all seem to hit at the same time. Um, a lot of Leeds fans seem to be upset. The Italian winger seems to be just not in favour. Um, his name escaped because he was on fire and giving him a little bit of fall. But he's just not fancied at all now at the moment. And Bamford's a bit like Calvert-Lewin. He's so key to them, but he can't stay fit. Yeah, definitely. It's do you know what? Leeds are frustrating, aren't they? Because you know, you watched them under Bielsa and they played attacking football, but they conceded a lot of goals. And now they play under this style of football, but they still concede a lot of goals. There seems to be like, you know, no way in which they kind of don't concede a lot of goals. And it's it's con- it's got to be concerning for for Leeds That's fans, it. you know, because I would say, you know, watching them in the last few games, I would put them down as as probably candidates to be relegated, mm. and uh, it's a shame because you know they're out of the Premier League for a long time, um, and then to come back up and and go straight back down again, that's to start all over again. But you know, as Kev said about Bournemouth, you know, I watched the game when they beat you guys, and then obviously I watched the Spurs game. And they are awkward, and Gary O'Neill's got them playing well, organised, and um, you know they're they're hitting form at the right time. And yeah, I wouldn't put it past Bournemouth to beat them, to be honest, and lead to be in banging trouble. I mean, to be fair, Gary, Gary O'Neill deserves a lot of credit because let's say when they got rid of Scott Parker, which I'll be honest, the whole Scott Parker was weird. He gets whacked nine nil, disappears, ends up in Belgium playing for Champions League games, get waxed again, and then he goes. 
a proper it's been a one of those funny seasons. But to be fair, that felt like a risk. You were like they got a couple of wins on you thinking, oh, we've seen this before. You give a, a caretaker manager the job and you're thinking it, it it normally ends in tears. But to be fair, he's he's rode it out and he's got them playing a decent way now. And to be fair to him, you've got to give him credit for that. See, you've got to give him massive credit, his coaching mm. staff, but also the players. The players are bought into it. Yeah. You can only do so much. Managers, coaches can only do so much. If the players don't believe in what the manager is asking them to do, it falls apart because if, we'll you, if to, you get a we'll centre half to, we'll come to we'll come to Spurs in a minute. It's not just it believe, no, I've said it before, it's not just Spurs. There's there's plenty of teams up and down the league in this ball. And you know, the other one who's down at the bottom end of the table is Leicester, who've done this as well. If you get players who don't buy in, they'll miss tackles. They'll they won't track runners. They'll do the ba- they won't do the basics, and you'll get caught out. And look, Bournemouth will, I think, stay up. Yeah, uh, I think so. But it's the lead. This if they can beat Leeds, that could be the win that seals them staying up. Thirty five points, thirty six points should be enough because I don't see how any of the others can get that many points on the board. Given the games that they've all got coming up, some of them have got horrendous May. You know, some of us. Well, Leeds, some is, them, Leeds is awful. Leeds is awful. Everton isn't any better. You know, no. it's um, Leicester isn't as bad, but it's still not great. And confidence is everything in, fo- in football, as we've seen. It's confidence can give you ten points in a season just by believing in what you're doing. Um, I'd be. I wouldn't be lumping the house on Bournemouth, but I don't. I wouldn't trust Leeds going away from home. Um, I think I always felt the only thing that would that might save Leeds and might keep them up was home form and the Ellen Road crowd. But the, when we beat them, it was it wasn't just it wasn't the, the the result. It was the manner of how they were just so standoffish and passive, and they wasn't the case that they allowed us to play, but it felt like a training ground game that they just didn't care. Uh, it's, like, it's Liverpool. We're not expected to get anything. They've put three past us. There was no kind of thought into the head. Let's just make sure it doesn't get no, any worse than what it is. There was no Nottingham Forest reaction. No. Who just didn't accept it and said, we're going to keep trying, keep trying. Here. And look, gave Liverpool a scare. Mm. You know, Liverpool, can, <laughs> to fair, Liverpool contributed to that scare. But, yeah. you know, they at least made it. Made it you know, Forest have used that defeat as defeat but we can take we can take some positives out of it and then they took that into the Brighton game and give and you know turn Brighton over. So what's going on for this Kev? I've got two one I got two one Bournemouth. Uh, I know Joe from the show is not gonna like that but I just I, can't see Leeds winning. No I've got three nil. I it's not a case I don't see him winning I don't see him scoring. Mm. Um I they're they're in such a mess and I, I don't think the manager believes in what he's trying to ask the players to do because I don't think they can do it. They don't have; they're missing Tyler Adams, some chronic in yeah. the middle of the in the middle of the park. That buzzy kind of engine in the middle of the park who gets around the pitch, who harries players, and he snaps at the tackles. Weston McKinney isn't that. If Weston McKinney was that, Weston McKinney is still be at Juventus. Hmm. You know, he's not. You know, he's a decent player, but he's on out on loan for a reason. If he was good enough, he'd be at Juventus. So, no, I, I think Bournemouth 3-0. And, yeah, Leeds are in deep, deep trouble now. Luke, how are you seeing this? 
it's a shame. Like you just mentioned Weston McKennie then, because when he was at Juventus, and there, you know, there's always links with Spurs to pretty much everyone, isn't yeah. there, across the world? But there, there were were links, especially with you know Paratici when he was at, at Spurs, and he was a player that you know has had that kind of hype for quite a while. And I was thinking, do you know what? You know, it'd be worth a punt. You know, let's bring him to Spurs. You know, try it out, and we didn't. And then he went to Leeds, and I was shocked. Um, but you know, seeing the don't want to say demise, right? But just seeing him not be able to kind of stand out in that lead side is uh, is a little bit worrying. But I'm, yeah, I'm with you boys. I'm going for two 0 Bournemouth. I think that Leeds struggle to score. They're so so leaky at the back, and um, and Bournemouth are uh, you know a United side, and uh, I think they'll be able to to hold them out. Right, we'll do a couple of quick fire scores, and then we'll, we'll dig into our last two games. So. Palace at home to West Ham. I have got 1-1. One, one. What have you got, Kev? I go... Joe, I, I go the same. I think it'll be a draw, probably nil-nil. Uh, that's the last of match of the day. Yeah. Hopefully with a non-penalty to read ups at David Moyes, which is... Yeah, I think both, look, both, both sides are safe. West Ham would be happy with a point. Just get through the 90 minutes, no injuries. They'd be yeah, happy. Because but... they're, they're biggest games Thursday. Yeah, it's massive now. That game against Altmark coming up is huge. Yeah, Luke. Yeah, I don't really want to be boring and go for a draw as well because it's just rubbish, isn't it, for everyone watching? So I'm going to say, Ooh, do you know what? I'm going to West Ham win two-one. Okay, Avil's got three-no leads. I think Avil's been drinking. It's it is, <laughs> it's early in the morning there, so in in, in Australia, so he's probably Bless still him. suffering from the night before. But hey, stranger things about. We we've seen it before with so, some of the horrendous calls I've made on this and the chat oh, have been absolutely mate, right. So. Mate, we've, we've all done that. So. I've, yeah. I've got I've got loads of that to be honest. So don't worry, uh, they're always good for when they come up. Though, mm. um, stick with you, Luke. Brentford, who are 14th from the form guy, just into form of a cliff against Forest, who are foul form at the right time for them. Brentford at home, yes, yeah. Then a Brentford win. Forest are shocking away from home, aren't they? Uh, so, I think easy win two 0 Brentford. Okay, Kev, I've got a one one draw for Forest. Uh, two two 0 Brentford. Could okay. There we go. I mean, they're, they're, Brentford are the physical type of side that Forest won't like playing. Uh, mm-hmm. Unlike we played in front of Forest, Brentford won't do that. It'll be a good. It, do you know what? It'll actually be a good game to watch. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be uh, a good game to watch. Now. Uh, Brighton against Wolves. This is ninth in the form. Guy Brighton against eight. In the form, guy Wolves. Wolves again, aside probably Kev six weeks ago looked in real trouble. Yeah, uh, but again they've just found a they found a way of getting the job done. They don't score enough, but they find it a way. Look, we've always said all season long. Whenever we've been talking about Wolves, they're in a false position. They're better than where they were, and Loftegi is finally starting to get a tune out of some players. And it looks like I can't remember. Is it Joe Carlos? That centre mid they brought in a young twenty year old Brazilian they brought in, in in the January window. He looks a really good talent. He looks yeah, a yeah. proper talent. And you know, I I think I think it'll be a score draw. Uh, but I think it might be a two two draw. It'll be a good game. I've got, I don't. I think Brighton. I've got one more because Brighton has dropped off a little bit. So yeah, they need more. to snap out of this FA Cup hangover really quickly. I think so. Yeah, Luke, what have you got? I've also got one-one draw as well okay. to make it really Thank- exciting. Yeah, 
but it is just one of those, isn't it? It's like that you can you can make cases for both, but it's just the way that yeah. Brighton have been after since the cup semi the mm. cup semi final, and how that finished on penalties when they were the better side on the day. Yeah, and that can deflate you, and that could uh, be a turning point for their season where they look the safest houses. They might get into the Europa League positions, but you know if they don't, it's not the end of the world. They've still had a really good season, and you wonder if that feeling is starting to seep into the players. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I just wonder like how long they could hold up that form as well. Like, and I think that lost to United in the in the semi final. They've, they've still got a lot of games to play. They've got two games. Or, or they've got, yeah, two, they've got two, two games at all. So um, yeah. in Liverpool. So it's how they can fit them in. But you know, if they played twenty nine. Yeah. They've played 29, so... If Brighton get into Europe, though, I think that's the next stage for them, the next challenge for them, is they've maintained... Look, they're an established Premier League side now. Everyone knows Brighton away, Brighton at home. It's bloody difficult. Everyone knows it is. But the next stage for them as a club is, can they start to do it in Europe? Because that's just how you evolve as clubs and then how they can handle it. West Ham have actually struggled a bit with that at the moment, trying to get the balance right between Europa Conference and the league. And it, and it's how they recruit as well, hmm. because they're they're built on a system of recruiting and selling. So, how they then become a an established or a European football side, and then try not to run that too much? Because I don't think you can play European football and still sell all your best players. Yeah, you know, no, in Brighton though, they probably already got the, the the replacements for everyone lined up because they just need to have that conveyor belt. It's very frustrating. Mm. Um, Fulham against Man City. I, 3-0 City, probably done on the hour mark. Yeah, I think City probably 2-1, 2-0, 2-1, that kind of scoreline. Um, I don't think they'll have to put their they've foot got, on the pedal too much. They've I got, they've, I mean, they've, they've, they've got the first they got the first blood. leg against Real Madrid in midweek, so they'll have a firm eye on that. I think they've smelled blood now, though, with that Arsenal win. I think they're, yeah, because Arsenal have faltered probably earlier than some predicted with the run because to be honest they've dropped points in games that we didn't think they would drop points in we actually thought the difficult run was from City onwards so and we've been in this position Kev when City smell blood it's really hard to hold them off yeah I think uh, look I think we can all safely see the title the title race is done you know it's um unless City do an absolute madness that we don't expect them but they don't really have form for doing that no they don't this is where Luke says 2-1 full of them there's no chance I'm going against City. <laughs> Worth a try on it. No, no chance. Uh, yeah, three 0 City, but I think you you both hit the nail on the head there with you know the Real Madrid tie in the background as well. You know they're going to want to shut this one up early. You know wholesale that, changes that, and then. So that'll be a good test from that, Kev. Real Madrid, because Real Madrid, they know as we've seen playing them many times, they're quite willing to suffer and even take a couple of goal deficit. Uh, they just have this way of finding a way oh, of getting a win. May as well have a chat about it because it looks like Modric might be missing for the first leg. Um, that'd be interesting because you'll probably have to play Chiumeni and Valverde with Tony Cruz in the middle of the park. It's the, mm-hmm. Real Madrid won't fear Man City, but this season's Man City will probably have the tools to get at Real Madrid where they can be direct to Haaland where in previous years they weren't able to be that side. You know, mm-hmm. when City played Real Madrid last year, the game was in front of Real Madrid. 
you know, and sit here trying to poke around and get around the back and try to create spaces for him to play. But oh, in we general, we don't play for the ninth, Kev. Oh, right. I thought it was the, I thought it was next weekend. Or no, next, no, next no, week. look, no, next week's um or oh, midweek fixtures again. So oh, sorry, my bad. I thought oh, no, the full of we don't care. Yeah, I I saw <laughs> the reports about Luka Modric and I thought, Christ, there must be it must be next week. So must be bad injury then. That's yeah, they're, they're saying he's almost certainly out for that one. But yeah, I hope Madrid get through over the two legs, obviously. But look, it's um I think it's gonna be harder for Madrid this time around. Red Steam. The poor sods have to make big do with Shoe Many, Cruz, and Valverde. Yeah, they've also got as well. He's quite good. I think well. this is gonna be yeah. the biggest test for City, though, isn't it? Yeah, you know, because really they're not afraid of them. you know, in this yeah, in this kind of time where people are talking about trebles and things like that, you know, for City, the champions, you know, they can win the Premier League, but that's the fear for me as a Spurs fan, knowing what's left in the running, is that City, I think, should be and would be just 100% on the on the Champions League, because that's still the thing they've never won. Um, so, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, but then looking at Real Madrid against Chelsea in the second leg, Chelsea got on to Real Madrid quite a few times, you know. Yeah. Obviously, they end up losing it two 0 but you know, better some better strike um, or anybody that can kick a ball in that Chelsea team would have been better. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited for that game. Yeah, it's going mm. to be a good watch for sure. Right, let's route through next let's, next couple then. Newcastle at home to Southampton. I think two 0 routine Newcastle win. Yeah, I think three or four. I think Isaac is on right on form now, so yeah, I'd say four 0 Three one, three one. Okie dokie. Uh, right, let's talk. We're not going to focus on the Tuesday and Wednesday games because it's, it's too far away, to be honest. Right, let's focus on the games we all care about. Let's start with the big one: Leicester versus Everton. This is, in terms of relegation, relegation. This is massive because both sides, a win for either side, is huge. And uh, so Leicester probably deserved in the end to get a draw against Leeds. Probably didn't quite do enough to win it. Uh, they've got a form of one win, one draw, and four losses. But they have lost Ian Acho. Sounds like a tear in his groin. They said so. That could be a season end yeah. for him. Which I'll be honest, he's what gives them the fear factor. And actually, his league play's been really good. Um, and then Everton, no wins, three draws, three losses. Calvert Lewin is back. He looked rusty as anything oh. against Newcastle. And I'll be honest, Kev, when I saw look, the crowd were up for it in the crowd. He, we were, I know it's at the Mickey Everton, but the crowd did everything they could to get that side over the line against Newcastle to try and make it a hostile atmosphere. And it's the most limp performance I've seen at Goodison. And the one thing you used to always say is going Goodison was a horrible place to go. And it's awkward. It was very easy. Very like, there's no fighting Everton. As soon as you want 1-0, you're like, game over this. That's it. It's done. Yeah, I, I'll be straight up honest. I didn't even bother to watch the highlights. I saw the scoreline while it was happening. And I just... I just couldn't be bothered, you know. I was I was at that stage now where I'm, I'm not I'm not arsed about what Newcastle do or what Everton do on the pitch because I thought that was the most predictable score, uh, the most predictable away win you're going to get this season. Everton have got absolutely no bottle for a fight at all, uh, and if they can't do it at home, they have no chance doing it away, none. And the only saving grace for both of these sides is the fact that it's Monday night is they'll know what's happened from the mm. weekend before they play. They'll know what's needed. 
They'll know if they can catch if they, with a win if they can catch anyone, or have the two the sides around them manage to pull away. You know, and the the car crash scenario is that they both play knowing that a, a win won't get them out. You know, mm-hmm. and which the way the season is going, anything could happen. But I always felt with Everton that if they got a lead, that they had the structure within the side to. You know the two banks of four, and they might be able to hold out and hold on, but not seeing it now. They just look like like Leeds in a lot of ways. They can't handle anything going wrong, anything that deviates away from what their their ideas in their head going behind. You know, or a flat atmosphere, anything they can't handle, they can't handle it. They can't cope. And if they stay up, it'll be by a miracle. Because, but it, someone... be stay, but it could be stayed up with a transfer ban for next year. And to be honest, that squad's not good enough. No, not a hope in hell. They're, they're it's they're only pretty off the inevitable if they stay up this season. They're going down next season, hundred percent. It's I just I think they're gone. I I think they could go. It, uh, it feels like Sunderland for a few years ago where they they, they flirt with it, teetering and flirting, and then for, they and went. then eventually it happened. Uh, the third year of blue is. I don't feel like they're a club that. There's some clubs that go down. You're thinking they look like they'll bounce back, though. You know, like when Newcastle got relegated with Rafa, you kind of look like, yeah, but that squad's good enough actually to get. That's a squad that underperformed and it bounced up quite comfortably. Mm. Burnley squad, you actually look at what what Vincent Company created. You went, that's a side that probably could bounce back actually. That, but I just look at that squad going, I'm not sure it's got enough to bounce back. Well, if you listen to this a minute, uh, their fixtures now, right? They've got Leicester away, then you've got Brighton. Uh, they've they've Brighton away, yeah, Brighton away, Man City at home, Wolves away, and they finish up against Bournemouth at home. Now the best case scenario for them is they might have to get something against Bournemouth. And both are already safe. And Bournemouth are safe, and they're just going up north for the sake of going through the motions. But I think they'll be gone by then. I, this, someone this said it in the chat there that. They don't see him winning another game, and I think they're right. I don't think they'll win another game. I think it was Ant Dicko, yeah. Um, But also, the other thing is, they've still got this uh, case hanging over their heads, which is reportedly going to be settled before the season's out. So again, they don't even know how many points they need, because we don't know if it's a point deduction they'll get, we don't know if it's a transfer, or we just don't know if they get cleared. You know, but that's also that elephant in the room can't be helpful. And weird... Let, another letter from Bill Kemrite and there Bill was Kemrite. some. I saw a video some... of Bill Kemrite telling telling the Everton lads who were relegating, you know, you're, you're a disgrace to Everton. I was thinking, like, I, to be fair to Blues, I think they have every right to be kicking off at the club because it's spent a lot of money. It's spent a lot of money badly. It's spent a lot of money badly for a few years, and there's no plan because you, how do you go from? Apparently, you've also, you've also got a problem in the in, within the club, within the player, the players. That some players have contracts where, if they get relegated, their wages won't be affected. You've got mm. other players who've got newer contracts that their wages will be affected, and that's going to create splits as well. You know that can't mm. be healthy. That can, you know, and but you, look, you, all, you look at the plan. You look at the plan that you go from like they've got the manager they've, they've got now. Before that, it was Frank Lampard. Before that, it was Big Sam. And you go through going like they're not like the the very polar opposites every time. So they've got a squad built up of dinosaur direct football 
and passing football, and you sort of go, well, which one do you want? You know, they haven't really got, there's no plan for it at all. Um, Luke, how are you seeing the whole lesson of everything? Because me and Kev do have a bias. You know, we, we're not going to pretend we don't. No, I agree. Like, you know, the, the worry for Everton, if you are an Everton fan, is that, you know, if they, when they go down, I should say, it's, as you say, what happens then? Because, you know, they could end up on a downward spiral, like, you know, we've already talked about, like Sunderland have done. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be the worry for me is, you know, and as you say, with all of these things hanging over them as well, how does that affect them then? They've got this new stadium that I, I'm not you know, too clued up on Everton, but as far as I'm aware, they still can't afford to finish. Um, apparently so, apparently the cost keeps spiral out of control, but yeah. some Evertonians who are, are upset with this is, they were fed the line that, no, no, we've secured we've secured all the costs, nothing will change, and that clearly isn't true. Which, yeah, you know, again, that can't help, because that, that's another... Because if they go down, that's a massive noose over them. Yeah. Pay, trying to pay for a new stadium while you've dropped a division without the Premier League money. It's a, exactly. It's a big lot. It's a big one, so... You know, if they can't afford we... it now, they won't be able to afford it if they go down to the Championship, but that way. 100%. Exactly. exactly. Um, what, score we, yeah. what score are we going with? What score? It's a difficult one, because... Leicester you know, all right yeah. against Leeds, but again, I think they've got such boring managers in charge, haven't they? Really, <coughs> um, I think Leicester probably have enough or more than Everton have in front of goal, so mm. I'll probably go with an Everton, uh, sorry, Leicester win. Uh, so we'll go 2 1. Yeah, I've, I've got 2 1 as well because I think the Madison factor probably helps them, I think that's yeah. probably helped them against Leeds, and I think that might just be enough for them. But I think it'd be a tight game. I don't, I don't see it. it won't be like a romp or anything like that. I'm putting like yeah. a two-one Leicester. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I go two 0 I think if Leicester can get an hour out of Jamie Vardy, then you know at home you you'd fancy him. And they're running as well. You've got you got Everton obviously Monday night. Then they're away to Fulham. Uh, then they're playing. They're home to Liverpool. Uh, away to Newcastle, and they finish up at home to West Ham. So they're another one. This week, this Monday night game is huge for both clubs. It, when you look at the list of fixtures that both sides have to come, anyone who can come out—if any of these two can come out with three points—is absolutely massive. Yeah, Excuse me, right. given the fixtures that they have to come. So yeah, look, I think Leicester will win a two-nil, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be a, a Monday night football for the ages. But how many times have we saw that? Thought that and thought and ended up with a classic four three. You never flame it, no. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Uh hello MC. You said hello to me. Perfect hangover right. cure for Bank Holiday Monday, isn't it? Really? Could be boring, could be exciting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm drinking again. Um I realised on the quick five ones, we we uh, we forgot one. Uh, Man United against Villa. Uh United sixth in the in the form guide. Villa's second in the form guide. Villa's form since they got the new manager and it's just ridiculous. It's really, really good. Uh, I've got a 2-2, Kev. I think Villa beat them 2-1. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a good, it'd be a good game. It, United, you'd have to worry about them at the back. I watched the Spurs game. We'll get on to it in a minute. Spurs had more than enough chances in that game to win it. You know, and win it comfortably. They had good chances. So, yeah, I think Villa will create all kinds of problems for them, especially at home, especially at Old Trafford. I just think that they're going to be right up for it. They got nothing to lose, Villa. You know, they can go and have a have a right lash at it. Fair enough. What are you going for, Luke? 
Uh, probably I would also go for a Villa win. I think that you you know we'll go, get on to last night's United game, but um, I feel like United they showed a lot of frailty um, last night. Um, they haven't won. They haven't won an away game against the top nine side all season. And I also I also like an Ivory <laughs> as well. I, I you know obviously there's biases like there is with all you know when we chat about all of our rival teams, right? Mm. But I feel like he was treated badly at Arsenal. I felt like he wasn't given time. It's you know, the, the time club, that Arteta has been given. He's the only club he's not been a successor, which makes you feel yeah. it wasn't him. Yeah, definitely. I think he got hounded out of the door very, very quickly. Um, because correct me if I'm wrong, he was the next manager in post Arsene Wenger, or did I get that completely wrong? Anyway, I think, I think he was, but I think yeah. also I think, uh, Arsenal's the only club he's, he's lost the European final with. I think every other time he's got to the European final, he's won, except yeah. Arsenal. So yeah, he's a very, very good manager. He, yeah. he is. Yeah, a very good he's, manager. Done, he's done brilliantly at, at Aston Villa, and uh, my dad's a Villa fan, so uh, I might. He must be well, over the moon with how My family's completely mixed, so my dad's a Villa fan, but my brother's a United fan. So uh, always, <laughs> be, yeah. I'll, I'll always go with the non-United fan. It's always the safest yeah. way. Uh, anyway, I didn't say a score, did I? Uh, let's go two-one Villa. Two-one. I think in the chat we've got a few two-ones and two-twos. I mean, it'd be tight. It'd be tight. It'd, be tight. it'd have to be quite. I think it'd be quite an entertaining game that as well. Right. So let's let's talk about the one we really all care about: Liverpool at home to Tottenham. Kev, Liverpool have finally hit some form. You know, three wins in a row, undefeated in five, fifth in the form guide. Uh, last six home games, we've won four, drawn two. Only conceded four goals, so home form wise, we're actually doing pretty well. Which is, and weirdly, Tottenham's one of the few sides we've actually beaten away from home. And Tottenham away is normally for us pretty difficult. Yeah. Um, now, looking at our last five games at home to Tottenham, they finished one-one, two-one, two-one, two-one wins, and then two-two. So, us and Tottenham, they're always tight games. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't expect anything different. Anything. In all of the games that we've played since we've changed into this new system, we've had to work really hard for it. Mm. You know, bar the Leeds game, you know, I think we're ha- we're having to work really hard for the points. So you can tell that the this new new system is a definitely a work in progress. Hundred percent, it's a work in progress. Yeah, and it's we have a good record against Spurs at home over the years. We've got really good record against Spurs. And our record at home, I'd fancy us to beat anyone. So I'm, I'm just wondering about how how we're going to line up and what we're going to be able to do. It's um, let's have a look. Red, Red Steve making uh, Luke feel welcome. Don't read the chat for the next five minutes. Yeah, it's the thing is, we I don't know if Klopp is going to make any changes because I, I think he will. This this is the thing and. He's kept the same squad at the same core of players, the same 10 11 players playing in this since the Arsenal game. And they seem pretty comfortable in possession of the ball. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens if he cha- if he makes two or three changes and they still do the same thing. What is it going to turn out like? But the plus side is getting Trent centrally is been a revelation in that position. We all knew that he was a brilliant passer of a ball, but being an effective passer of the ball in that position of the pitch, more often than not, is going to create opportunities for other players that we just haven't had before. You know, we haven't had that kind of player in central midfield, apart from probably Thiago, who sees that pass, mm. where 
the the goal for the, the Gakpo goal in midweek is a classic example of it. Before Trent reached received the ball, he'd already looked over his shoulder to where Gakpo was to see if the pass was on and received the ball, played it quick. Nobody else sees that pass. Or Fabinho doesn't see it. Henderson doesn't see it. And Curtis doesn't see it, but Trent sees it. So mm. we have to persist with this. It's just, I, it's, but I, I'm just I, looking forward to watching yeah. how this evolves. I agree with Kev yeah. Baller. said this is the biggest test in new shape because yeah. he's talking about Kane, Kane, decision making on counters. I think this is the first time we face someone who's got a, a left winger with proper pace because while, and we'll come to him, I, I know he's a figure of fun for us. While Richardson's had a shit show of a season in front of the goal, the one thing he is is he's direct and he'll run, he'll he'll use that space on the left. And look, that's his battle with Trent. He's quite enjoyed that battle. So that's going to be interesting, which is why I think you might see a change at centre back. As good as Matt it was, I feel when you're playing the Spurs, you need a centre back with pace. Yeah, Ibu comes back in. I think Ibu, I think Ibu so. comes back in for that. Yeah. Um, but Luke, before we go into the game, I'll get. We need to ask you about Spurs. Um, Oh. What's what's going on? But so just, just just for the outside looking in. So yeah, Conte has been pretty much asking to be sacked for about six months. Yeah, which is quite which is quite an impressive feat. He gets sacked, and to be fair to Kieran Dowdy, he makes a he makes a good point, which is if you're saying Conte's lost the dressing room and you sack him, so be it. But why do you put his number two in charge, who's probably given the same message as well? And then he gets a couple of games, and then you sack him because you got absolutely embarrassed by Newcastle, which I, I think is that one of the worst Spurs results you've had in your history. Because I don't, I, I've seen Spurs be up and down a lot of time. Very rarely seen have six put past them. Very, very rarely. So now you put in Ryan Mason as your interim manager, who was interim manager before, was deemed wasn't good enough to be an interim manager this time, but now he is because he's like the third choice. How, uh, how are you sort of so- seeing it? The easy answer is money. So when Antonio Conte came to Spurs, he brought in a lot of backroom staff with him. Um, mm-hmm. And so what I feel like Daniel Levy wanted to do was get Antonio Conte out of the club and then save cash in the meantime because he didn't sack any of the other backroom staff, right? So they just continued to get paid and he didn't have to uh, pay them off because they were all out of contracts, I assume, with Antonio Conte in the summer anyway. Okay. So that was it for me. Like that's the only reason I can see that Christian Stellini would or was named the interim coach. But nothing was going to change. It was always going to be Antonio Conte. Uh, it's like Scooby Doo, right? You rip the mask off, and Antonio Conte is there underneath all along. That's exactly what I how I felt. And um, you know, I'm going to say this. You know in a certain way, but I'm going to say fair play to Stellini for trying something different, but he got it horribly, horribly wrong. You know, at Mm. least with Ryan Mason, you can see that he understands what the fans want. And if that's the only thing he can drill into these players, which is just to play higher intensity and to, um, you know, to play more on the front foot, we might, we might see, us get a couple of results for the rest of the season. The season's really done for Spurs. Top four is not, not an option. It could be Europa League, it could be Europa Conference League, or it could be no European football. It, it really just depends. But, you know, Champions League is done and, and over with. It's just what we can salvage now for the rest of the season. But, you know, 
a lot of people last night were talking about Ryan Mason and saying, you know, well, why is he playing the same style as, as Antonio Conte? And you could see them butt heads at times. So there was a time in the Champions League nil-nil draw, the second leg against AC Milan, when Antonio Conte, Christian Romero got sent off. And instead of just going for it, putting an attacking player on, Antonio Conte decided to bring on Davidson Sanchez when we needed a goal. And you could see from the clips that were replayed on Twitter and, and everywhere else that Ryan Mason was furious with him for, for that. So, anyway, going back to last night's game, a lot of people say, well, why is he playing five at the back? It didn't work under Antonio Conte. We expected to see a different you know, um, way of playing. But look how much time he had to, to set the team up. He had no time to sit there and say, do you know what? We're going to play four at the back and we're going to play like this and there's going to be passes out to so-and-so. We're going to press from here and there. All I, I think he wanted was was to just show higher intensity. Yeah, but has he got the personnel to change the formation and play to high intensity? Because, look, we saw it early days of Klopp where we tried to change the high intensity. We realised quite a few players, A, couldn't run that to that level, and B, it takes a while for that sort of stylistic yeah. change to settle in. You need Right like now, a, you it's need difficult to go for the back because um, well, Ben Davis has just come back from being injured. And Emerson Royale is on the verges of coming back. But otherwise, you've got Pedro Porro and Ivan Perisic. Um, and so you wouldn't want to play them as right-backs and left-backs, in my opinion. You mm. want them to be to be higher at the pitch. So I think he has got the personnel to play higher intense. And I'm not expecting, you know, counter-press for 90 minutes. But what we saw in the second half yesterday was a higher intensity. And we did press higher. And we did cause United problems. But it just took 45 minutes for them to get to that like I all I want to see as a fan for the rest of the season is I want to see that from minute one you know I don't want to see that whatever happened against Newcastle because I need to you know I need to forget about that soon because it was just oh I was I couldn't believe what I was seeing yeah, I was I was at the women's game and I thought it was almost winding me up which I thought it was winding me up <laughs> <laughs> so it's four yeah. it's four nil Newcastle like, Ryan, Mason will never uh, be, Ryan, Ryan Mason will never be right now the Spurs boss but all all he's doing is getting opportunities to be able to, you know, show his ability as a manager. For he's a very he's also a very young coach because unfortunately he had to retire yeah. at a very young age. He retired yeah, yeah. twenty eight because of a because of his uh, head injury. Yeah, I don't know if it was twenty six or twenty eight. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah he's so a bit younger than twenty eight. Yeah, when, it's, when he was at Hull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was really young because he, he had a horrible head injury, which is why he had to unfortunately stop playing. I mean, the um, one thing you can take about that game last night was the second half performance. Look, I, I honestly thought that Spurs created enough chances in that first half to get to get a goal, at least one goal, if not two. Yeah. But in the second half, you could tell that the players were playing for him, which is yeah. something that didn't happen for the last couple of months under Conte. They, they didn't play for, for their manager. They didn't play for Scalini either. They just didn't. You know, it was there were a team of individuals going through the motions in a lot of ways, and <clears throat> but you could tell with Son when he scored, ran the length of the pitch to go and celebrate with, with Brian Mason, and whatever he said to him at half time, they come out a different animal in the second half, and they were, they were, um, they were going for it, you know, and they had nothing to lose, they had to do something, and they did, but they created more than enough chances to win it, and I was talking with Matt on here yeah. last night, I. Spurs will have chances against us, no doubt about yeah. it. They've got too many good players going forward not to have chances. They've got too many good passes of a ball in midfield not to be able to create chances. It's how we deal with it 
and how we can turn that going the other way. And the one thing with the advantage that you have of having a Trent in that stays in the centre of midfield, you get the extra body in there. Against a side who play two-man midfield, even if Kane drops back to make it a three, you still outnumber them with a box midfield. So you'll always be able to get a counter-press chance for the way the Spurs are playing. Because, as Luke said, they don't they haven't had time to adapt anything new. So yeah. it's still almost like learned behaviour when you're under pressure. Um, well, you saw it in the last 10, 10, 12 minutes in last night's game. They reverted back to Antonio Conte, you know, sit back. This was at a point where we were on top of against United. Sorry to put in, Kev. Yeah, no, no, you weren't. We were on top. And this is a time when, you know, we just got it back to 2-2 and they reverted back to that sit in shape, those banks of players and tried to soak it up and just tried to see the game out. And that was the most frustrating thing to me last night. The biggest thing that I noticed from Ryan Mason compared to Antonio Conte. And, you know, I, I really don't, don't rate Antonio Conte. His time at Spurs was beyond bad, in my opinion. And um, the what, he showed, what he showed, though, was the ability to make impact substitutions in a game. And he didn't mind, you know, for a period, Christian Romero went over to play right back when we played four at the back for a little bit and he brought Dan Juma on and there was just the ability that he didn't, wasn't scared to, you know, at a point when it was 2-1 and the commentators were saying, oh, well, Spurs are still in this game. Why is he making substitutions? But he needed to make an impact whilst we were still on the front foot. The worry for me against Liverpool is, are we still going to be in the game by the time this starts? And you know what? I forgot, uh, I forgot uh, Dan Juma was even at Spurs. I remember when you signed him, literally off. Everton's medical bench. I thought, well, that's a smart sign. At least that gives them another depth wide. And then it's just disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, it was definitely a player that Conte didn't want. Clearly. Uh, you could add him to the list of other players that Conte ignored because he didn't want them. But he's actually a you know, Jed Spence being prime example. Yeah, but he's a decent player. He's a decent winner. Yeah, he is. He was good against us from when we played us in Europe the year, a couple of years he's ago. Not as good, listen, he's not as good as Kuliseski. But if Kuliseski needs a rest, it's not a bad... That's the, the squad option to bring on. That gives you depth. Yeah. You better ask Luke what M- MC's question before oh, yeah. he oh, loses yeah. the plot. Oh, like, yeah. As in, as in, which Liverpool players do I fear? Yeah, who's he worried about for Liverpool, if any? You know, I don't, means, I don't think it's all you. You can stick that either way. To be fair, actually. <laughs> no, I'm always going to be worried. Um, you know, about your attacking line because at the frailties at the back, especially in those wing back positions, are concerning, and the, probably the player that I fear the most is Darius because I think he's strong and fast and I think he could cause cause our back line and some some problems but yeah you back sorry uh no, you're back yeah interesting one though Kev um because I don't think oh, did I drop off sorry it's oh, all right. okay I don't, think, I don't think Darwin's gonna start no I don't think so um and I know when he doesn't start, social media will go berserk because they go berserk every time he's not started. But I kind of feel like we just keep the same front three because I do. You know what? I I was thinking that up until the talk came in the press conference today about Jota and that in, knock if Jota's, if Jota's that in knock into the back that he had makes me think, and I don't think he's going to start uh, Luis Diaz on the strength of two no, sub- I don't think- two or three sub appearances. But it wouldn't surprise me if Darwin started on the left. And but I think give, st- give him an I hour. Think, but like you said, I think he only starts if they really don't think Jota's got an hour in him. Yeah. But the way Clock was talking, it was like, yeah, he got it a whack in the back, okay. but he should be okay. 
But he, he was, was talking. He was he was talking exactly the same way when he was talking about Ibu before yeah. he announced the lineups, and then it was like, yeah, if it was the last game of the season, we could play him, but we just have to manage him. So I don't think they're going to be rushing anything with Diogo Jota. Form aside, given the fact that he's had a really long injury setback this season, I think if there's a need to give him maybe a a rest and come off an option off the bench with Fulham coming midweek. I wouldn't be surprised to see a few changes in yeah. this in this game against Spurs, and especially with point. it being at home. And let's get ball points out. To be fair, Darwin had a good game at um, Tottenham's ground. Mm. Uh, you know, he set up the first goal. He, he did cause Tottenham a lot of problems. Um, if I'm honest, I like that. I like Darwin, but I sort of feel the last four or five games he's had a, we've probably seen a bit of a dip in him, and I sort of feel like he's been took out the side at the right time. But he's come on as a sub and he's done fine. But I haven't seen anything for the last four or five games that says to me Darwin must start the next game. Yeah. I've still looked at him and gone, he's been a handy impact sub. But at the moment, I think if they're all fit, I think I keep saying keep saying front three. Because, I mean, Gakpo is doing the Bobby Firmino impression. It's great to see. We've seen yeah, for a little while. Really and he's also a striker who's not afraid to take a shot from distance. That's actually accurate, which we've not had for a while. To be honest. So it's quite nice to have that option. Right. Luke, give us a starting eleven for you then. To give us an idea of what you think, what you think yeah. uh, Ryan Mason will pick, and then if there's anyone that, although you think it's the eleven he'll pick, you would rather he didn't. Yeah, I, th- I don't think he'll go much different. And sorry if the internet rubbish here tonight, but um, I don't think he'll go much different to what we saw yesterday. Again, I think it's you know with these games back to back to back, I think that he's just not going to have much time to. Would do much, but uh, he uh, he'll probably go. I think Fraser Forster will stay in goal. I don't think Hugo Lloris is injured. I don't think. Well, I think that's just a. Was like, he in squad, was he? Yeah, I felt. I feel like Fraser Forster is the better goalkeeper for us at the moment, and I think he'll start in goal. Um, the only worry for me is low shots. I feel like he gets down too slow, um, but at least he tries to dive. I suppose, unlike Lloris. Um, so, so, so and, that. Yeah, I think we'll have uh, Perisic left wing back. I think he'll play pretty much the same back line. So uh, Longley, Dyer, Romero, Pedro Porro. Uh, there could be a, a shout for Ben Davis to come back in, um, but I feel Perisic did well enough last night to probably hold a spot there. Um, We'll have a midfield of Hoiberg and Skip again. And then I, it's a toss-up at the front line. Obviously, Harry Kane will, should play if he's not injured. They're talking that he might be injured, but um, hopefully he should be okay. Um, I think Son will play. And then it's whether he plays Kulisevsky, Richarlison or Dan Juma. Um, I would like to see Dan Juma, Dan Juma come in. Uh, I think he offers more off the ball. Um, It'd be interesting, actually, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I I look at it at Spurs. I think if if Perisic plays, it could give um, Salah more space. Or I think he, he Salah would be able to draw Perisic into maybe lunging at something, or a centre back might come out of position to allow space for someone else. If Salah can, if they go two v one against Mo, it could. Salah could flick it inside for someone else to to make a run or something like that. But Perisic is undoubtedly quality on the ball is 
is brilliant. I mean, left foot, right foot, the guy can pass a ball. He's he's really, really good. He's one of those players that I wish came to the Premier League when he was 28. Mm, you know, yeah. not, not at the age he is. He'd have been some player at 28 years of age to be able to come into the league, wouldn't he? But yeah. the question there is from Storm is, do you think Kane and Son will stay at Spurs? I think is Son that, will stay is at Spurs, is that, yeah. is that Kane decision... To be made this summer, do you think? I think this is like D-Day for Harry Kane. You know, there's all you know all these rumours that United fans are singing, we'll see you next season, he was smiling or whatever. There's all this nonsense that goes on. Um, and I heard, you know, TalkSport put a notification out on their app today saying that there's internal discussions between Harry Kane and Man United, which apparently, according to whether we believe these journalists on Twitter, is nonsense as well. So I, I don't know, but... I think that if United get bought out, then they will sign Harry Kane as a as a marquee signing, a statement signing. I don't hmm. see Harry Kane going anywhere else. Um, the problem is, a, is that I think he's ideal team... for buying. You know, I think he's ideal for think, buying. I, think he'll I don't think they'll, stay... pay, I don't think they'll, I don't yeah. think they'll pay the money for him. But I think you want to stay in the Premier League. Why would he not want to be? Because he can go to Bayern and actually rack up a couple of Bundesligas. But if he goes he to United, go they probably, and... I think they win the league. No, they don't. I don't think they do. Not a hope in hell. <laughs> no, yeah. and I and I genuinely mean that. Not just because it's Manchester United. I just think it's, City be, are better. it's because their FFP is so bad because of how much they've Manchester United have overpaid for players in the last two windows. Even if they're taking over, they're not going to be able to sign the caliber of players to be able to compete with Manchester City on an equal footing. They don't have a squad capable of racking a hundred points. And and that's what's going to be needed, especially if City do the, do more business this summer. It's it's going to be, I I I can see for for him for Harry Kane. I think Bayern Munich is where his destination he should be looking at if he wants to end his career with silverware, you know, with winning titles, winning you know, going deep into Champions Leagues. You know, possibly getting to the quarterfinal, semi-final of Champions League on a regular basis. Because yeah. you look at that Byron side this season, what they could have done with a striker of mm. Kane's quality up front. He'll wrap up two or three. He could go to Germany for three or four years, win three or four Bundesliga titles, and solidify himself as one of the best number nines of his generation. Or he can stay in the Premier League, go for the all-time Premier League goal-scoring record, go to Manchester United, stay at Spurs. He could do that too. Break, try to break that Premier League record. But realistically, he's gonna he's gonna finish his career without winning a league title, and he's not he, he's not gonna do latter end of Champions League often enough yeah. to be in the same in the same kind of thought processes. Ibrahimovic as Lewandowski as those type of number nines which his goal record says he should be in the conversation with but when it comes to when you look back in the decade side you're going to be looking at well how many Champions Leagues did they win what's their record in the Champions League everything is Champions League central you know and but then I, but then I wonder if if he if he wins a trophy with uh, England as England captain that, does is that enough oh him? yeah Wonder, it could be. Wonder, is that enough? It could be. And the other thing as well, as he gets older, the, the one thing that you got to look at with uh, the German league over, 
and it's not just the German League, but it's mainly the German League. You have the winter break. You have one cup competition, one domestic cup competition. You have 18 teams in the top flight of the league, not 20. So the focus for the German sides really is Europe. And they, do, know, tell, and they do tell the games around Europe in Europe. Exactly. You know, to make it, yeah. just take the pressure. So it's, it'll take I just think longevity career. I think mm. he could get more out of that kind of a move than he could do. I would out be of a shocked. Move I would be shocked if he moved. If he moved abroad. Now, I'd be I'd be really impressed if he did. I'd be really yeah. impressed if he challenged him is challenged himself to be that flagship English player to go abroad and do what some of his some players did in previous generations, the likes of David Beckham, go to different leagues and show you can still do it. His yeah. his. You know his goal record in in the Premier League is is there for everyone to see. It's up there with with anyone. You know he he's not your typical striker when you look when you think back to like uh, Robbie Fowler or, or Michael Owen. You know or poachers. He's an all round striker. Mm. He can do it all. And the fact that he's so good at dropping deep and bringing others into play as well is a string to his bow. I didn't think he had up until a couple of years ago. And then he started doing it. I think it was under Cont- uh, Mourinho, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. When Joseph brought that out in him, it was like, wow, you know, here he is. And he's like racking up assists left, right, and center, yeah. not just goals. Didn't think he had that in his locker. So I, this is why I think a move abroad for him, knowing what he knows now and how good he is now, he could really, really be somewhat special if, if, he, if he did decide to take the leap. Yeah. I hope he wouldn't go to a PSG. But I honestly think it would be a good move for him. I genuinely do. I don't think it'll happen. I'm like you. I don't think it'll happen. I think he'll want to stay in the Premier League. But I it's wish be he would think it for anybody to buy him from Spurs. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the other thing. It's the other problem. I think Daniel yeah. Levy's hope is that he and this is you know and people can say what they wish, right? I suppose, but it's whether he a sells him this summer, which I doubt, unless. Yeah, you know, the only team I think you know, Bayern maybe, but can they afford him? United, do they really want to get involved in in that kind of negotiation with with Spurs? Um, and it's really then Daniel Levy's playing poker on whether he signs a new contract because otherwise he goes in the free transfer and he's gambling on the fact that Harry Kane wouldn't go on a free transfer. Well, obviously he would go because if we didn't sign a contract, but I believe he'd get signed a contract by then. See, if I'm Manchester United, I'm going I'm going all out long term with a long term plan, and I'm signing Victor Rushman. Mm. That's that. If I was Manchester United, I would be going for Victor Rushman to sign a striker, a number nine, to build around for the next five years. I wouldn't be taking the money that it will take to get Harry Kane. I would which be is, putting that somewhere else. Which is why you know? United were in the run for a Darwin Nunes again, mm. another young number nine. That because we all know the only way for that goes because it was a a cost reason they were for their course. Yeah, but, couldn't afford anyone else. Yeah, but that's what they're looking for, isn't it? They're looking for a young... It feels mm. like they're looking for a young number nine. But listen, it's ooh, the first time you guys have just said that's what they're doing and then flick, flick it the other way very quickly. Yeah, so, true. Kev, in terms of the Liverpool 11 then, I think there might be two changes from the West Ham game. I think Canarsie comes in for Matip, as well as Matip playing. He had a really good game against. Yeah, it was good. I, I feel like if Richarlison's definitely playing, or Son... They are going to drift into that gap where Trent leaves because yeah. of the new formation. And I think, well, Karate is definitely quicker and I think he's the better one-on-one defender. And I just feel that's what we need. I also think he's also very dangerous for set pieces, which I do feel is an area we can get at Spurs. 
And I have a feeling Henson's on the bench for, for Thiago. One, because I think getting Henson to do three games a week is a, a bit much. Uh, and two, a few point out the chat, uh, Fabinho's one yellow away from a two-game ban. I think this is our 32nd game. I think this is the cutoff game. So if he's not booked in this game, he's fine. So the odds of Fabinho going three games not getting booked is pretty slim, which means yeah. Henson's probably got to play the next two games as a number six or Thiago. So to be honest, it makes sense that Henderson probably is brought out. And to be honest, I thought Jones has been fine the last four or five games. So I kind of feel with a young player like him, just ride the wave of he's doing all right. I feel like Javier is being kept out deliberately now because I, I think they've decided he's played too much at his age. And I think they're, tra- I think they're trying to protect him a little bit. Mm. See, I go. I think he'll bring Ubu back in. Mm. I think he'll bring Harvey Elliott back in for okay. Jordan Henderson, and I think he'll bring Thiago in for Curtis Jones. The reason being, I don't think that you can play Jordan Henderson this many games in a row. I don't think it's fair on him, and I don't think you get anything. You don't get any enough positives out of him to play him for five games in the in the space of like however many days. It's just not worth it. But I also don't think you can play Harvey and Curtis in the same three-man midfield. I, I just don't think that works. And I think Thiago coming off the bench for the last few games, I wouldn't mind seeing him start with Harvey on the opposite side. You have that age, of, you know, that youth and experience in midfield. But I also think that what you gain in Harvey Elliott with this new system, being closer to Mo, someone mm-hmm. that can go on the outside and he's Harvey's comfortable enough on his right foot that he can go on the outside on the overlap and allow Mo to come in or Salah can stay wide and Harvey can make those line breaking runs between center backs to look for you know look for chances to link up play that way so that's how I wouldn't mind seeing it going I wouldn't also be surprised I talked myself into it would be Darwin starting on the on the left uh, yeah, I think it, he, I think if he starts, if if the Jota knock is if the, yeah, if the worse Jota than, knock is, is worse than what Klopp's making yeah. out. Which look, it will be the first time Klopp's said someone's fine and yeah. they're not. But at the I end do, of the day, we still have viable options off the bench. Either way, we we look at it. Yeah, if this we, could be the game where Diaz gets more than seven. This could be the game where he's getting the fifty. Well, he got thirty. He got thirty minutes the other night. Yeah, so you know, he came on. He came on on the hour, and he's only going to improve with minutes. But I don't think he's ready for a start. No, I don't no. think he's ready for a start either. Also, I would much rather Thiago start than come off the bench because as great as Thiago is, he's wonderful. He, he has some fucking brain farts when he comes on. Yeah, he's just exactly. like, he's such a brilliant like, footballer and then he just does something, the dumbest thing you've ever seen in your life. Going, I just don't know what's going on here. I just think yeah. he's a bit, I, I think he's on the plate, he just has to start. <laughs> I think bringing off the bench doesn't always work for him. No, it doesn't. Whereas I think well, actually for Henderson, it'll do, A, he needs to rest, but also bringing him on for the last 20 minutes will probably hurt. Suit him as well, just yeah. to keep McKean. Um, I still think he'll keep Jones in for the physicality side of it and also the height from set pieces because mm. Spurs are still a pretty big, big yeah. side. And I do think that's what he worries. I think when he plays a Thiago and Elliot, I think that he's he's referenced it a few times is set piece, set piece defended just yeah. for, for pure physicality. So, but the but, other thing as well that Curtis does bring give you is someone in midfield who can carry the ball. Yep. You can he can take it 20, 30 yards and he's comfortable doing it and he can draw players out to him and lay it off and make something happen that way. He's really good at on at, at doing that and his link up play has been pretty good as well. I yeah. I was surprised when I looked at the stats from the other night. His ball retention 
and passing accuracy was the highest of anyone. For normally it's our centre backs who have that kind of high passing accuracy in the high in the high ninety nineties range. I think his passing accuracy was ninety four percent from that high role in midfield. That's really good, you know. And to be able to have someone like that that you can trust on the ball that he isn't going to give it away cheap, you know, is a real bonus. I think so. Yeah, I think he's also playing with a bit more confidence. He's getting the. Um... He's getting the balance right because I think he went from one extreme where he was probably a bit too gun ho to I think I think they tried to turn into a bit of a genie and play it a bit too safe. Yeah. I think he's now starting to get a balance, but I think that just comes with because he's actually fit to play games. And I think the club probably could have done with releasing this injuries out a bit sooner so people could understand why he wasn't fit because I think it was a frustration of this lad's always injured, but he's on a training regime where he has to do four days on two and two days off because of the stress fracture he has in his leg. Yeah, but exactly. kept the, I don't know why they kept it quiet for six months because it just caused. You know, I think it was kept quiet for so long because one, they didn't know how long it was going to take, and if it got to a stage where look the club might need to move him on, mm. it it's not something that it'll probably it would be something that would show up in a physical, but it's something that would also put off a hell of a lot of people looking. Yeah. I, know, did, so, I think I the Jones know. these last four or five games are probably. Assured of another season at Liverpool. Oh, 100 percent. I think so. But that, I also think and the, the, that and the other the other factors around it. The home growth, I think the home growth factor is a big one, especially club yes, home which is a, an issue Liverpool have still got. Right. Luke, score prediction. Do you know what? Um just a draw would, would be absolutely fine for me. Um one all. So same as last it's last year was one all, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, as well as Diaz that's a Score later, I seem to remember. Um, Kev, what are you going for? I'm uh, going for a two-one win for Liverpool. Uh, look, I, I think we'll win every. I think we'll win win the rest of our games, but I think we're going to have to work really, really hard in every game to do it. Um, it's this is. I think someone in the chat said earlier this will probably be the hardest test for us because of the capability the Spurs have in pa- people who can pass and runners who are willing to run. And their ability to count to to really hit size on the counter, and they can mount pressure as well. When this three five three four three from Spurs works, and their wing backs get high and aggressive, they can they can really pen you in, and they have the forwards who can get goals in Kane and Son. Even Kulusevski is capable of chopping back onto his left foot and whipping yeah. shots in. So, yeah, it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I think it'll be a tight two-one. I think it might be a late winner, but yeah, yeah. a draw's not a draw's no use to us. You know, no, we, yeah. we have to win. You know, we, do we, have to we win. need to be winning these games. Yeah, if we're looking at our fixtures, for, a draw's not easy for us either. But no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I know, no. I think looking at our rain home fixtures, I think the way it's going, and um, I'm more because I'm, I feel like Brentford and Villa feel like even tougher games because of the form they've been in, especially Villa. That Villa game feels. That's going to be quite a huge game, but I'm going to go for a two-nil and a a rare clean sheet. But I say a rare clean sheet. Look at our home form. Um, we've only conceded, I think, it's 13 goals at home. Also, actually, defensively at home, we've actually been pretty solid, to be honest. It's yeah, uh, it's <laughs> as soon as we leave, it's away from home. It's away from home. As soon as we leave Liverpool, it goes it all goes a bit tipped up, really. So yeah, which you couldn't trust us away from home. Which one of the last two away wins have been such? Nice, pleasant surprises because the game, the games that on paper we should be winning, 
And we, yeah. we spent most of that season not doing that. So, who your goal scorers, Kev? Gakpo and Salah. Oh, see, I had Gakpo and Salah as well, so I'm going to have to change it now. No, um, I got him right with... last week, actually. Oh, that's the first. I did I'll go with... two, two for Jota and one for... So, yeah, two for Jota, one for Salah, and I hope to God we get a goal from a set piece because we hadn't scored one in ages. Okay, I'll go and with we got Gak- three. <laughs> I'll go with Gakpo and Diaz off the bench. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Oh. Get, get the goal back after his injuries. That'd be good. Um, right, so before we go, uh, don't forget our, sponsor, our charity sponsor, which is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness. Details are in the description below. Uh, we've got 12 Dublin ladies running the Dublin Marathon, um, and we're trying to get them to 20K. So, as we always say, we know times are tough, so if you can give, please give it. If you can't, just copy the link and send it around WhatsApp groups and work emails and just get it get it, just get it known. Uh, golf day still still going. Um, we still looking for prizes kept for the golf day. Yeah, we are. Um, there's actually some breaking news here. Uh, I'll come to it in a minute when, before when we finish this. But um, yeah, we're still looking for prizes for the golf day. If anyone is interested in sponsoring a tee box or raffle prizes or anything, just email. LFCDayTrippers at gmail.com. Uh, put in the subtitle um, Golf Day and Gav will get straight back to you. You know, he checks that thing more often than he talks to his missus. So <laughs> just just um, if anyone is interested, please just give just email him and get in touch with him or through any of us on Twitter or anything like that. And we'll make sure that your message gets to who it needs to get to gets to to get these ladies to the funds that we need them to get to. Okay. So what's the breaking news then, Kev? Breaking news is the final bids have been submitted from Manchester United. Uh, Qatari, okay. Qatari banker Sheikh Jazim bin Hamad Al-Tahani and Sir James Radcliffe of the Enos Group have submitted their final bids to Manchester United. Uh, they are the two main parties looking to take control of the club. Club owners, Glazer family, will now assess their positions after the latest bid deadline passed at 10pm tonight. Both bidders are eagerly are eager for a resolution in the process to begin at the, in a process that began in November. BBC Sport understand that the offer from Sheikh Jazim is around five billion, and includes one figure which would go directly direct to the sellers. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out because I know the Saudi uh, bid is uh, for the whole club, for all of the shares. And the Glazers might be the major shareholders, but they're not the made the overall owners. And I think the Saudi bid want to take Manchester United off the stock market, mm-hmm. where the Jim Radcliffe bid is looking like it might be similar money, but it seems to be a case where they want to do a deal to keep one of the Glazers or both of the Glazers in some kind of shared equity or shared ownership with, within the club, but Radcliffe having overall control. So... It'll play out probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll see. But the bids are in. Interesting. Wasn't the figure they wanted a lot higher than that, though? A lot higher than five billion. I mean, billion, listen, yeah. five billion pounds is a lot of money. But it look, great. let's you know, fair is fair. Manchester United are one of, if not they are probably well, one of the if not the biggest clubs in the world that are yeah, available yeah. to buy. Uh, yeah, you cannot just, buy you you cannot buy Real Madrid. You cannot buy Barcelona. So, of clubs that are available to be purchased in world football, they're right up, if not at the top, right in the top echelons of brands in world mm-hmm. football. Let's, you know, rivalry, I forget about rivalry a second. You know, 
they are huge and it's going to take a world record bid for any it'll be a world record price paid for any sports team that takes this for manchester united interesting interesting well i'll show you more about it um and apparently uh i haven't read i haven't seen the embargo stuff part of some stuff about clubs that have eaten with john w henry and i'm sure we'll hear about it on social media in the next couple of hours but I don't, I don't believe anything exciting to come out of it. So, but you know, no, I mean, at the end of the day, he was at the game midweek, John Henry. So he's not going to fly over just on the off chance that someone gave him second, second hand ticket at the gate. You know, it's like, uh, he's there no. for a reason. And he usually comes over at this time of year. And it's usually to settle the amount of money that's available in budgets. And he'll do it face to face. He'll come and maybe it might be something to do with the new director of football. Yeah, that's um, true. We could, we could do one of them, because we haven't got one. Yeah. We, haven't got, well, we could we, do one of them as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. our one is leaving, so... And apparently, <laughs> he, his job at Ajax fell through, so he's on the market. Well, apparently he turned it down, so that's how much yeah. he wanted to go, so... All fun and, all fun and games. All fun and games, right? All fun right. and games. Well, listen, Luke, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, as always, um, you know, make sure that people are subscribing and liking all your stuff first before they come over to me but if you're interested uh, you can find us at Park Lane Podcast we have a show every Saturday morning on YouTube at 11am so I'll be on 11am tomorrow morning so you know come over we welcome all fans over you know give us a bit of banter say whatever you like and uh, we'll have a good chat so no I really appreciate you coming on and uh, thanks again guys no problem at all mate Kev is it me and you on Sunday I don't know. More than likely, because Matt usually has a social life on a Sunday, so it's going to yeah, be me and you again. You may, you may have to have social. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so Sunday probably me and Kev doing the uh, full time red. Hopefully, talking about Liverpool win. Sorry, Luke, not really. Um, and and then we'll have uh, fat back four. We'll be back, and then the cycle starts again. Then, but cycle starts again. I think um, we're back, and then I think we're back Wednesday because I think we play Wednesday. Wednesday night against Fulham. Fulham. Trying to get revenge for the uh, the, the draw at Craven Cottage because we were yeah. down in that game as well. There's a, there's a theme for this season, isn't there? There's a, definitely a theme for this <laughs> season for sure. But listen, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, please like and subscribe and keep an eye out for more shows. Until then, speak to you all later. Sports Social Podcast Network.